0: afternoon, show with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that little sentence. Welcome to Tuesday. I'm glad you're with me today. It's going to be a great uh, couple of hours ahead. I hope you can spend all of them with me, and I hope you're uh, having a good day on top of all of that. Um, yesterday or the day before, I think I was encouraging or talking to a guest, and we were suggesting that it's always good to take small steps, little bite-sized steps, and and even something as simple as memorizing a verse in Scripture. And as one of my listeners, I encourage to memorize Galatians 2.20, and I was going to hold him to the fire on that one. And that goes like this, because I memorized it years ago, and I love this verse. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a pretty uh, awesome verse to learn, Galatians 2.20. I encourage you to do it. It's one that you will uh, like knowing and like having in your uh, heart and in your head. All right, so we're going to start off on Tuesdays like we always do with uh, Rob Bluey, my Washington, D.C. correspondent, although uh, he comes to me all the way from Virginia
1: today at his home office, I believe. Rob, welcome. Hey, it's good to be with you, Bill. That's right. Well, in in these COVID days, right, we're all doing our part. Plus, you know, Washington, D.C. is on quite a lockdown, uh, not only because of COVID, which, uh, of course, we've been all encouraged to telework uh, by the D.C. mayor. But uh, after the events of last week, they've really ratcheted up security, I think rightly so, in anticipation of next week's big inauguration.
0: Yeah. What a difference uh, one week makes. Let's talk, Rob, about some of the fallout from the attack on the Capitol. What do we know
1: and uh, who will be held accountable? That kind of stuff. Well, sadly, Bill, we've had uh, a number of people who've lost their lives. Uh, There were four people who participated in in the rally or the protest, and then uh, which turned into, of course, an angry mob. Um, One of them was shot by uh, Capitol Police officers. The other three um, died uh, from uh, medical emergencies. We also know that two Capitol Police officers uh, have have died, uh, one um, in the immediate aftermath and, and another one in the days following. So... Uh, just tragically, um, you know families that have been torn apart as a result of of the violence that uh, that we saw last Wednesday at the capitol uh, so many people still recovering from injuries uh, from mm. from that event I mean, if you watch some of the video and you see some of the pictures, uh, things got out of hand uh, very quickly, and it 's uh really unfortunate. Now, um, obviously, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. I expect that uh, members of Congress themselves will be continuing to investigate and probe uh, what, exactly, um, what exactly happened, who, who was orchestrating or organizing this. Uh, was it a spontaneous uh, response to, uh, to something that happened? Um, and, of course, uh, you, you, you talk about, um, uh, you know, kind of the, the consequences. Well, we're going to see the House take action tonight. Uh, on a bill that uh, they will call on the vice president to uh, enact the 25th amendment uh, to mm-hmm. remove the president from office. Uh, and as I suspect, that will not go anywhere. Um, they will then proceed uh, to an impeachment, a second impeachment of President Trump. But, uh, but Bill, yeah, it was, um, I, I can say from uh, my own personal experience, having been a reporter who uh, covered Congress, who uh traveled through that building numerous times in my days as a reporter it was just really disheartening to see uh so many people uh dishonor uh what is um what is an important uh part of our government and uh and to put the lives of so many lawmakers in danger
0: mm mm-hmm. it's um, it's sad to see a lot of those images and um i appreciate you uh bringing a perspective on this and um we'll find out who's going to be accountable hopefully soon
1: I, I think we will. I mean, a number of people have already been arrested by mm-hmm. law enforcement officers, and uh, and I expect that more uh, will be in the days to come. Mm-hmm. You know, th- so much of this was captured uh, either in video or in, in photos that, uh, you know, it's, it's quite clear that um, – uh, that you know, it's uh, it's a situation that we we, we need to prevent. Uh, it is uh, it is a tragedy that uh, this um this played out uh, before the American people the way it did. Normally, January sixth, just to give your listeners some perspective, normally January sixth, the date when Congress counts the electoral votes, is a, is an opportunity um to. Basically certify the election. I mean, it's a, it's a largely ceremonial uh, event. Uh, the vice president, uh, whoever that might be, uh, sits in the chamber. Um, they, they can hear uh, objections. Objections are allowed under the Constitution. We know from past elections in 2001 in 2005 even in 2017 uh, there have been members of congress uh who have objected uh but it's never it's never uh reached the point that it did uh on on last wednesday and uh, and hopefully it never will again
0: rob mm-hmm. well, i would love for you to talk a little bit about uh, some of the uh the big tech uh censorship that's going on um interesting non parlor there's a, a they they call it a networking error uh, if you try to go on parlor, it says it seems that we are either over capacity or you are experiencing a poor network connection.
1: Yeah, well, it, so coming on the heels of uh, of everything that transpired at the at the Capitol, uh, just to, just to have the full timeline and perspective here, several social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter and others, uh, decided that they would remove President Trump's account because they said uh, he incited the violence and um, and and even in cases where he had posts that were not related to anything uh, that, that was transpiring, people were using that as a means of communicating and organizing other activities uh, that could turn violent. Uh, so those platforms decided that, uh, they would remove him, um, and, uh, Twitter and in, in its case was said it would remove him permanently. As we all know, President Trump used Twitter as a platform to communicate directly with the American people and bypass the media. It's mm-hmm. something that you and I've talked about. Yeah. Um, it's something that, you know, I, 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 think that is important, uh, for Americans to have, have a voice out there, um, even if they are private companies and, uh, and, and have the ability to make these decisions, um. What happened over the weekend then was Parler, which is a alternative to Twitter, it operates in a very similar fashion for your listeners who are familiar with Twitter but might not be active on Parler. Um, Parler found itself in a situation where Apple and Google – uh, pulled the app from its their app stores. So basically, you know, users who wanted to download it, and it had become quite popular over the weekend when people started to abandon Twitter. Uh, they could no longer access the app. And then what happened subsequently was Amazon Web Services, which is the the server, the hosting server for Parler, decided that it would uh, shut them off uh, as well. And so now Parler finds itself unable to operate, and as you said, you get an error when you go um, when you when you try to uh, use the, mm-hmm. the site. The criticism of Parler, um, just you know, and you know, to, to help understand your listeners understand, was that they were not moderating uh, to the extent that they should have been, um, and these these platforms, Apple, Google, and, and Amazon, decided that uh, they didn't want to um, be in any way supportive of that. So Parler. Uh, Famously said that they would uh, not put in, would not impose those those types of restrictions that uh, Twitter and Facebook would did, and people could have a, a free conversation. Well, um, <laughs> you know, the First Amendment and free speech also means uh, some pretty nasty things can be said. And uh, and that's what was happening. Um, and even prior to, to this past weekend, uh, there were concerns about rampant pornography and other things taking place on Parlor that um, th- that a lot of people just don't want to see. And so, um, you know. Bill, we find ourselves now in a situation where Parler has filed a lawsuit. Uh, I, they're looking for another hosting service, and uh, the American people, I think, are are confused, frustrated, and, and really don't know uh, what this what this means. Will there be future repercussions for people who supported Trump and conservatives, or is this kind of a a, a one time thing? And and we'll go back to to the way things were. Um, before last week i don't have the answer for that i do think it's concerning i think that um you know uh, people should have an opportunity to uh to to have access to these platforms but they should also follow the rules and those companies have the ability to set those rules so i'm um, just trying to guess what could come next i
0: mean they were able to uh, silence a sitting president and take his voice off what what could happen next i mean what what could happen to to you and me in terms of of maybe they don't like what we think or what we say so all of a sudden you go to try to make a purchase on Amazon and you can't do it
1: that's right well and uh you're you're absolutely right bill uh corporations have for Long before this past week, uh, been taking these types of actions. We've talked about on your show how the Daily Signal and and even the Heritage Foundation, our parent, have found itself crosshairs with uh, with YouTube in the past over some content of, uh, a medical doctor talking about the dangers of giving puberty blockers to young children, for instance, was was removed, and uh, and and a former uh, transgender individual talking about his experience that was removed. So uh, it's not it's not just you know, <laughs> about what happened last week. Um, this is something that's been building for quite some time. I mean, in the case of somebody like like President Trump, obviously, you still have a pretty big platform if you wanted to uh, through the White House to get your message out. But I worry about those individuals uh, who, who don't necessarily have the, the means to do that, but use these platforms as a way of communicating. And uh, and it could be communicating on a range of issues. It could be just talking to family and friends. It could be trying to run an advocacy campaign for something or a political campaign. And if these platforms are squelching that speech, then I think rightfully they should be concerned about it. And so um, I I think that you're going to see it expand to other areas. You've already seen an airlines union talk about uh, denying uh, Trump supporters, uh, the ability to fly on planes, uh, you have seen some major corporations come out and say that they're not going to donate, make political donations to certain candidates. And so, uh, you know, obviously actions have consequences, Bill, I'm not I'm not suggesting that they don't. But I think that uh, in some cases, we've seen, uh, you know, a, a, an overreaction, perhaps, um, and, and a stifling of speech in a way that uh, could have ramifications uh, that, that are pretty lasting and deep. Mm -hmm. Rob Lewis,
0: my guest, he's the executive editor at The Daily Signal. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. I'm talking to Rob Bleuey today, my Washington, D.C. correspondent, getting all the news that we can in this short amount of time we have with him on Tuesday in the afternoon. The one time of the week, I take a little time to talk about uh, world events and what else is going on in our great uh, capital. Uh, and Rob, I'm, I'm still stuck on some of these uh, big tech censorship uh, things that are happening. And the tech companies are so incredibly big and powerful. Um, wh- wh- what is going to happen to them, will they that, that finally have more regulations put on them, or are they um, too connected in, in uh, with the powers in Washington?
1: Well, Bill, a lot to unpack there. Let me begin with your first statement about them being big and powerful. They absolutely are, and in some cases, uh, perhaps they have even more power and control than. Uh, Than members of our own government and, and traditional media outlets. I mean, the the ability to reach uh, people across the globe and influence and shape uh, public opinion as quickly as they do um, definitely is something that we've observed firsthand. Uh, we know that they have powerful algorithms that control what content shows up in someone's news feed on Facebook, for instance, and uh, and that has lasting impressions. We also know that uh, it, it's it's. Creating these filter bubbles, where individuals uh, simply follow those people that uh, they know or agree with, and they not are are not necessarily exposed to diverse opinions. And I think that that's one of the things that troubles me. Is I, I as somebody who. <laughs> oftentimes tries to to understand and, and reason with those who, who might think differently than, than I do, um, you know, social media doesn't necessarily help that. So uh, to your point about what can be done, well, there are several legislative proposals already um, out there for consideration. We haven't seen any, uh, well, we've seen attempts to, to enact them, but we've not seen anything come to fruition. You might recall that there was a move uh, on the part of President Trump and some of his supporters at the end of last year to insert a repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act into the National Defense Authorization Act. That ultimately didn't go anywhere because I think, <laughs> as as uh, as you might might suspect that really has nothing to do with our, our defense or our military. So it, it was um, not necessarily the most appropriate vehicle to pursue that. Uh, but Section 230 is what oftentimes gets the most focus and attention. That is a provision of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. Uh, that was a, a law that was passed at a time well before Facebook and, and Twitter ever came onto the scene. And essentially what it did is it gave these tech companies immunity from lawsuits. So it It provided, codified into law, um, a protection that President Trump and other supporters say is unfair, that other businesses don't necessarily have the shield, and big tech shouldn't have it either. Um, So, for instance, if President Trump wanted to sue uh, Twitter for removing him from the platform, he probably wouldn't have much legal ground to stand on as a result of this provision. So there are some who want to repeal it entirely, get rid of it, and say, no, just open the floodgates to the lawsuits. There are some, uh, including my colleague uh, at the Heritage Foundation, Clon Kitchen, who has suggested some meaningful reforms that you could make to the law. Uh, after all um you know the the, the law that was written in ninety six uh could not have anticipated what <laughs> what the world would look like in twenty twenty one so it 's not necessarily a bad idea to improve it so those are a couple of things. There are some more radical ideas like breaking up the companies, pursuing antitrust action um, but there's less consensus around those I would suggest than than two thirty which tends to get most of the focus.
0: Mm-hmm. How much of creativity and entrepreneurial opportunities will be squelched, given how big the gates are to the world wide web now
1: well uh, <laughs> how do you get in we 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 shall see exactly exactly well, so look, there are opportunities I think for conservatives to think creatively um and there may be others out there who look at this as an opportunity, <laughs> rather, rather than uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it just you know, closing things down. Uh, perhaps there are, are other uh, other platforms that could be built. There are other ways that uh, the conservatives and others can uh, speak their voice. I, I've always struggled though with I, I, I tend to value a platform that allows all people to participate, not just those of a particular political persuasion. I think Mm -hmm. that the discussion is, is much more meaningful and uh, and productive when you're not excluding people from from participating, uh, you might recall that Parler attempted to do that. I mean, they were they were offering uh, you know incentives for for liberals to join the platform expressly for that purpose. And so we'll see uh, what kind of ingenuity and creativity might might be able to take place. But the problem is, um, I think as you alluded to earlier, so many of these tech companies tend to be controlled by people who have the opposite view of conservatives that. Um, you know whether or not they even have the opportunity to to take off and, and succeed is another thing. But we also know that there was a time uh, in, in our own lifetimes when Internet Explorer, when Netscape, and when uh, MySpace were dominant players in the internet space, and and now they're afterthoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So you know we'll see um, what ultimately comes of it. But I, I do think that that's the one great thing about the internet is that you know the market can work and it can force uh, these companies to to change, and if not, uh, it'll allow others to innovate. Mm-hmm. Rob, maybe you would uh,
0: tell us what you know about the vote scheduled for tomorrow regarding the impeachment debate in Congress.
1: That's right. Well, uh, so first of all, there is a a vote tonight, um, which I mentioned earlier. That'll be on the 25th Amendment. This will probably pass the House. I don't see any reason why Democrats wouldn't uh, approve this, but it won't go anywhere in the Senate. And Mm -hmm. that will prompt the Democrats in the House to then uh, turn to Plan B. Plan B is uh, an article of impeachment which accuses President Trump of inciting the violence. Um, It was introduced last week. It'll be uh, expedited, brought to the floor, and and voted on. Uh, The question is now, uh, from a process standpoint, what happens next? So if the House were to pass this tomorrow, uh, it's supposed to go to the Senate for a trial beginning the next day. Uh, Of course, there's one complication here. The Senate is in recess until January 19th Mm. and uh, probably won't be coming back until Inauguration Day. So uh, there's some question about how this all would play out. There's also a lot of questions, Bill, about what do you do if – can you have an impeachment trial if somebody's already out of office, uh, as would be the case for President Trump on January 21st or or the afternoon of January 20th. So um, a lot to be sorted out over the next week or so. I I do expect uh, the House to proceed with the impeachment unless Joe Biden, the president-elect, makes a last-ditch effort to dissuade it. Um, because he thinks those things will be too divisive, and we 've all heard uh, uh president elect Biden talk about the importance of unifying the country, uh but you know this is a weighty decision, and up until now he said it's uh it 's in congress 's hands to decide how to move forward
0: mm-hmm. Rob,
1: what do we have as far as
0: an update on the covid and the vaccines, and how fast are we getting distribution, and is it uh, a smooth process so far?
1: Well, it's been a little bumpy, to be honest with you, Bill. Um, you know, I, I um, was grateful to see that in, uh, in my home state of Virginia that uh, teachers are, are now going to be eligible uh, in the next wave, I believe, beginning Saturday to get their vaccines. Um, as your listeners know, as somebody who has Two kids at elementary school. <laughs> uh, we are we are eager to yes. have as, as much of a return to normal as possible. So I think one of the first steps to doing that is making sure our teachers are protected and uh, and they get the vaccine. So glad to see that they're in that next group. A lot of uh, states are focusing on people over the age of seventy five, or in some cases, age of sixty five. And I think that uh, pr- making those priorities and making it clear in their communication with uh, with the American people is really important because even even <laughs> I'm a little confused about what category I. Find fall into, Bill, and what category my parents would fall into. So we need to make sure that uh, we have, have clarity on that. Good news coming out of uh, both HHS and, and the Biden, the forthcoming Biden administration that they're going to do all that they can to get as many vaccines uh, made available uh, to, those, uh, to those Americans who, who are ready to, to take them. I think uh, it's, uh, it, it's disturbing to see that some vaccines are not being utilized and uh, had to be uh, disposed of because they weren't, weren't used in the appropriate amount of time. Um, i think i 've shared with you on the on the the interview before that I have a ninety nine year old uh, great aunt mm-hmm. uh, in a nursing home yeah. in uh, upstate New York. Um, who uh, was supposed to get her second dose yesterday. Uh, of course, Joe Biden got his second dose yesterday. So it is working, if, uh, if only a little bit slowly. Um, and we're going to have Secretary Azar, uh, the HHS secretary, at the Heritage Foundation on Thursday to give us an update on, uh, on how things are going. So we're looking forward to that, uh, that opportunity to talk to him and, uh, and, and hopefully move things along rather uh, rapidly. Rob,
0: do you have any idea how many doses uh, are available and will be distributed in the next six months?
1: Oh, Bill, I don't, I don't have a specific yeah. number for you, um, but here's what I, wh- here's what I do know. I, I, I know that uh, in 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 some in some places, uh, like Virginia, for instance, they want to be very, uh, very methodical in terms of uh, the priority, which is why uh, I think that even in this first group, I think it was school teachers, those over the age of seventy-five, um, uh, grocery store workers, you know, individuals who are are. At a greater risk uh, of of of, uh, of coming into contact with the virus, so uh, you know, look, <laughs> I, I think that uh, the medical doctors that we've heard from, including Dr. Kevin Fam, uh, who's who's a contributor to the Daily Signal, have um, have have said you know really reassuring things about the vaccine. And uh, and you know I, that that's that's helpful. I think a lot of people uh, be comfortable with it. Uh, whenever there's a new vaccine like this, there's obviously going to be questions. But um, but we need to get COVID behind us, Bill, because uh, it's it's already disrupted our lives uh, so much already. And again, just prayers for all the people whose lives have mm. been impacted directly by this, who've had a loved one who suffered or or or, or unfortunately passed away. Uh, it's it's uh it's not going to go away um anytime soon. We we still have to fight this for weeks and months ahead and hopefully um sometime in 2021 we can put it behind us and get back to normal.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really ready for uh the masks to come off when the time is right and to smile at people again and have some of that incidental conversation that you once had that you don't have anymore because everyone is avoiding eye contact with you. Uh, keeping a distance from you and not talking like they once did
1: right and and it's we we need to bring people back together i think that's that's so important in this 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 political climate we're in yes. so Amen. <laughs> let's pray for that too Ben. yeah, yeah. Bill, rob, thank you so much bill i appreciate you it you bet rob bluey has been my guest my washington dc correspondent
0: after a short break we're going to talk to dr greg borgon about understanding god's will in your life that's all coming up next
1: listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: All right. We are back with Dr. Greg Borgon. He is a founder of Heart of a Warrior Ministries. He's an author and an all-around awesome guy. Greg, welcome back.
2: <laughs> it's good to be back, Bill. You
0: know, I put in a request. Um, I said, would you talk to us today about the sovereignty of God? I've been kind of on a, on a little bit of a um, theme this week, wanting to make sure I'm reminding all listeners of the sovereignty of God.
2: Well, it's pertinent, isn't it? it I mean, sure is. We live in perilous times. I don't think anyone would argue with that. As we speak, people are probably voting uh, are. for the next president of the United States. Uh, the outcome, in my view, will probably change America as we know it forever going forward, that is. Will the sovereignty of God affect the results? That's the question. We go into those booths to vote and we wonder how much is up in the air. Some, I suspect, are saying that it must be fate or karma. But for us as followers of Christ, it does fall within the realm of God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that, if we could. So when we talk about sovereignty, um, what does it really mean? It means being the ultimate source of all power, authority, and everything that exists. Only God can make those claims. Therefore, It's God's sovereignty that makes him superior to all other gods and makes him and him alone worthy of worship. Just for the fact of his attributes, omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, Mm -hmm. he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere. He's probably, well, not probably, he is the only one that can honestly claim the name of a sovereign. We talk about leaders in other countries, they're often referred to as sovereign, but they're faulty sovereigns. They certainly don't satisfy this Definition of sovereignty, yeah. Greg. Well, let's let's go to the let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Word and find out what the Word says about the sovereignty of God. Well, here's what it says, but, uh, uh, Bill, about the sovereignty of God. Number one, God is above all things and before all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's immortal, and He is present everywhere, so that everyone can know Him, according to Revelation twenty-one six. Secondly, God creates all things and holds all things together both in heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible, uh, Colossians one sixteen. God knows all things, this is scary, past, present, and future. There is no limit to his knowledge, for God knows everything completely before it even happens, Romans 11.33. Number four, God can do all things and accomplish all things. Nothing is too difficult for him, and he orchestrates and determines everything that's going to happen in your life, my life, in America and throughout the world whatever he wants to do in the universe he does for nothing is impossible with him according to jeremiah 32:17 mm-hmm. and finally god is in control of all things and rules over all things he has power and authority over nature earthly kings history angels demons even satan himself has to ask god's permission before he can act psalm 103:19 so it's good to go ahead and step back for a minute and think about what the facts are. We've heard a lot in uh, rhetoric from various candidates about what the facts are. Well, <laughs> here's the facts with regard to God's sovereignty. Number one, God is preeminent in power and authority. I think all followers of Christ would agree with that. Mm-hmm. God's sovereignty is a natural consequence of his attributes, which we've already uh, described being all powerful, ever present, and all knowing. Mm -hmm. He rules the universe. He sets boundaries. Nothing in the universe occurs without his permission. He can prevent anything he chooses. Chooses is the key to prevent. God offers humanity choices. God holds us responsible, however, for those choices and the sins that may follow as a result mm-hmm. of those choices. There's a difference between the perfect will of God and his permissive will. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Not all things that occur are the direct actions of God. Let me say that again. Not all things that occur are the direct actions of God. Man has a free will by God's decree. God chooses to allow things that he does not directly cause. He often chooses to act indirectly or to allow certain things for reasons of his own. Everything that happens is, at the very least, the result of God's permissive will, even if certain specific things are not what he would have preferred or would prefer. God allows mankind free choices. God does not directly cause everything to happen. Some of his decrees are efficacious. That is, they directly contribute to the fulfillment of God's desire. Others of his decrees are permissive. That is, they allow for indirect fulfillment of God's desire. Maybe well down the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe after our life. I don't know if I completely understand that, what you just said. About being indirect some, fulfillment of God's desire? Well, some of his
0: decrees are efficacious, that they directly contribute to the fulfillment of God's desire. I think I get that. Others of his decrees are permissive, that is, they they allow for an indirect fulfillment of God's desire. Maybe I just had to hear it again slowly.
2: Yeah, in other words, God is going to allow us to make choices that certainly, even though we may think is the obvious, it's not going to be out of the boundary of what he ultimately wants to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Because whatever decision we make under his permissive will, if we go to the left when God wants us to go to the right, um that mean God's over with us. He just goes to the left and gives us additional choices. But it all falls within his overall plan because he knows past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. All right. Because God is sovereign, he must at least permit all events and happenings. Would you agree? He must
0: at least... That
2: permit, i got to chew on that
0: one. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's...
2: I mean, nothing's out of the realm of his vision. Oh, of course. Yes, yes, yes. He, so, he does have to permit everything. Yep. Yes, I get that now. So we do not know all the factors in play in a given situation, Bill. Uh, God does. So, uh, you know, in, in fact, giving us permission to go in and interact under his permissive will um, means that we think we're acting on an individual issue where there may be several factors at play that unfold over time. Mm -hmm. There may be far-reaching issues beyond our comprehension or awareness outside of our experience. But in the immediate situation, the one that we're dealing with, um, we may not see those things or even be aware of them. God will always act from a position of love. That's what we can rely on. And it will always be in our best interest whether or not we think it's best. So... He chooses to permit many things to happen that he takes no pleasure in. For instance, God chose by an act of de- a decretive will or sovereign will to a, or permissive will to allow the kidnapping and enslavement of Joseph. God's permissive will allowed the sins of Joseph's brothers in order to bring about a greater good. After every mistreatment of Joseph, God had the power to intervene. But he permitted the evil And in the limited sense, he sovereignly willed it to happen. But we know what the result is. So there is a a difference between God's sovereign will and his revealed will. Actually, there are three wills for God. God's sovereign will, what he does regardless. There's nothing we can do to change that. For instance, God's sovereign will is revealed in his unchangeable decrees. He decreed that there be light, and there was light. It was God's will that Jesus suffer and die, but those responsible for his death were still held accountable. At times, God decrees something that gives him no pleasure, such as the death of the wicked. That's God's sovereign will. God's revealed will, that's what God wants us to do or not do. But we have a choice in whether or not we obey it. We are obligated to obey God's revealed or what they call preceptive will, however, We have the ability to disobey it. God's revealed will for Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and multiply, tend the garden, subdue the earth, and not eat of a certain tree. Unfortunately, we know what happened. They rebelled against God's revealed will, didn't they? Mm -hmm. So God's revealed will is contained in his precepts, given to us in order that we can walk in holiness. We have the ability, but not the right, to break those commands. That's his revealed will. So in other words, he's setting out before us a preferred way to live. We can choose that road, or we can choose a different road. We can choose the narrow road, or we can choose the wide road. We know what will happen in both instances. God's desire for us, of course, is to travel that narrow road, that prescribed road. But we have a choice. We can choose to disobey him, to disregard him. So we so far, we've talked about God's sovereign will and God's revealed will. God's mm-hmm. revealed will will be in Scripture. You'll see it in every book of the Bible of what he prefers and how we live. But let's talk about the third and, and final type of God's will. It's called God's permissive will. We can choose to disobey him underneath this umbrella. He allowed Satan to torment Job, an example of his permissive degree. We can choose to disobey God, but as we know, there are consequences Mm -hmm. to that disobedience. In Romans 1, we see that God gave them over three times. It talks about man insisting on living life on his own terms and, matter of fact, turning the creatures into their idols or to adopt a a lifestyle devoid of any spiritual influence whatsoever whatsoever. And so he says, God gave them over. In essence, what he's saying, those three places in Scripture, they're found, by the way, in Romans 1, 24, 26, and 28, that same phrase, God gave them over. In essence, this is what it means, Bill. If you insist, God is saying, to live life on your terms, apart from my guidance, apart from my precepts, apart from my commands, then I give you over your, to your desires, knowing full well what the consequences are going to be. Mm-hmm. So if we insist under God's umbrella of permissive will to live life on our own terms, then God says, if you insist on that, I will give you over to that. And he reiterates it two other times in that one passage. So it's possible under God's permissive will that if we insist on living apart from him on our own terms as we've discussed, that God will give us over to our desires knowing full well what the consequences are going to be down the road. So in one way of looking at these these three types of God's will, Bill, is three concentric circles, the largest one being God's sovereign will. Within God's sovereign will, which, again, we can't thwart no matter what. Mm -hmm. Paul had no choice of being knocked off of his horse in Damascus, on on the road to Damascus. Jesus, uh, by God's sovereign will, went to the cross and died for our sins. That was God's prescribed sovereign will. But in there, nestled in there, is a smaller circle called God's revealed will. In other words, he's saying, here's how I prefer you to live, but since I've given you this amazing gift called free will, you can decide not to listen to the, my revealed will. This is the way to live if you want to be truly human, if you want to realize your full potential, if you want to be tuned to my heart. mm mm-hmm. This is my revealed will. And then the smaller circle within those two is God's permissive will. And that's where we're in charge in essence, at least for the time being. Because every decision we make in the negative consequences that follow, there are going to be eternal consequences if there's sin. Now, one thing that we can use underneath God's even permissive will to change the order of events to, for God to intercede in is prayer. Prayer can compel God to intercede in a given situation, an event, or a circumstance. In accordance with his sovereignty, of course. Mm-hmm. He sees beyond the immediate and may choose not to intercede due to a more far-reaching plan of his. There, uh, it, uh, this is where uh, we must trust him by faith that he knows what he's doing yeah that's a very
0: lofty thought he sees beyond the immediate and may choose to not intercede
2: due to a far more reaching plan of his and the situation we're in might be very painful while we're going through it but we may find at the other end of that tunnel Mm -hmm. that light is not an oncoming train right it's God's love and God bringing about um, his will in our life Uh, in terms of the consequences. Let me give you a personal, a very personal example in my own life. When Debbie and I were in the midst of a court battle for the future of our grandchildren, I was on my knees before him pleading for a positive outcome. I was on my knees for two years, Bill. I remember laying across the ottoman and pleading with God in my living room, morning after morning, evening after evening, God release us, from this travesty that is taking place. So for two years, at great expense financially and emotionally, we fought the authorities not to send our grandchildren to foster homes. At the time, I couldn't understand why he seemingly wasn't answering my prayers. And there were days of absolute frustration. There were days of anger. There were days of despair. There were days of terrible disappointment. Little did I realize at the time, though, that certain events had to take place, no matter how painful, before a resolution was finally in sight. We secured the physical and legal custody of our grandchildren, and I'm happy to report that we're all one united family again. Wonderful. Mother and father, all of the grandchildren, Debbie and I. So at the time I was going through it, at the time my wife was going through it, at the time my daughter and son-in-law were going through it. We didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and you can imagine, in a sober moment, I would say to myself, is this God's perfect will for us? Mm-hmm. Is this God's prescriptive will? Is this, Or is there room for his involvement under his permissive will? So, that's my story, and I'm sure there are people in your audience that can relate no, to no that doubt. same set of circumstances. No, no doubt,
0: Greg. Is it all right if we take a little break, sure. Yeah, Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest, talking about God's sovereignty today, and we'll be right back.
1: You're listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope and Clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: That's the theme song for Dr. Greg Borgon Heart of a Warrior's Ministry. So, really a tender story uh, about you pleading uh, to God for a positive outcome for your grandkids and when you found yourself in the midst of those difficult troubling times, were you
2: crying out where where is God in all of this? Absolutely. I mean, there are more times than knowing God was absolutely with me. I knew intellectually, Bill, that he was, mm-hmm. but emotionally and the passion of my soul, I just felt desperate. I felt alone. That was not God's doing. It wasn't that he walked away, is that I was in so much turmoil at the time and so much darkness that it was engulfing me. I didn't see his light, mm-hmm. that he had never left me, that he had me in the palm of his hand. I want you to know I did apologize to him later for my lack of faith <laughs> was in I light of everything yeah, that happened. That, that was probably happened. wise. But it doesn't mean that it's always going to turn out well, and that's where faith and trust comes in. Mm-hmm. But I learned a big lesson about trusting God through that whole experience. As we talked about uh, offline a few seconds ago, God often op- operates on multiple planes at once. He may be operating in the specifics of the situation you're involved in. At the same time, he's trying to develop you spiritually. At the same time, what you're going through plays some part in some larger scheme or larger plan of his down the road that you have little to do with but have some part to play in it. And so on multiple planes, he's operating at the same time. Mm -hmm. But in in these troublesome times, we, we might ask, where's God in all of this, just like I did? We may not know why he permits what he permits. We may not know the reason. We We, might know well after the fact. Or not. Or not. Right. He doesn't have to tell us. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Because we have to trust that he loves us and he knows what he's doing. And we may not be in a position, Bill, to understand the details. They might scare us to death. (laughs) So we have to trust him. We might not know until we are with him, as a matter of fact, in eternity. In any case... We must trust Him. God's will is going to be accomplished eventually, if not immediately. Those who are part of God's family can claim the promises in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. We can rest, Bill, in the fact that our God is actually able to work all things for our good even when we can't readily see how that may happen. Mm. We can go bravely, as one commentator said, into life, trusting that our loving Father sees the larger picture and is faithfully working everything for His glory. That's a wonderful thought. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I love that. Now, one other point I'd like to make about God's sovereignty, Bill, is that God's sovereignty impacts our sense of identity. For instance, in the exercise of His sovereign will, He formed us in our mother's womb. In Psalm 139, he determined when we were born, where we'd be born, and how long we would live. He determined our wiring, our temperament, our talents, our bodily form, our intellect, our capacity, our divine purpose, according to Ephesians 2.10, that he prepared in advance. What we do with what he sovereignly gave us is our choice. Here we have God's sovereign will in action at the same time of his permissive will in action. Sometimes God's sovereign will, his revealed will, and his permissive will are operating all at the same time. So what do we do uh, with what his sovereignty gave us is is really, or what we do with the sovereignty uh, uh, that he gave us is our choice. We can choose a path of self-destruction or we can submit to his revealed will for our lives because, becoming who he created us to be. One insightful observer put it this way, Bill. When we understand how powerful God is and how much he loves us, we can know we are secure in him. As the object of God's sovereign love, we allow God to define us and give us our worth rather than look to the changing ideals of the world to do so. When we understand that God is in complete control we are free to live our lives. We need not fear ultimate failure or final destruction. Romans 8:1. We need not fear worthlessness. We can be confident that God will have his way and that it will be good. We can trust that the one who says he loves us is fully able to act on that love in all ways We can trust that even when the world seems completely out of control, as it may seem to many of us now, God is in control. We know he has the big picture covered, so we can trust him with our daily details. So I'd leave our audience with these final encouraging words, I hope, for them, for all of us, really, instead of feeling insecure, helpless and Fearful, we can trust God that his will and plan cannot be thwarted. He knows what he's doing. He'll always act in love. Even though the world is growing darker, his light will prevail in the midst of that darkness. God's ultimate will cannot be deterred. Living faith is, as the scriptures tell us in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, Living faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients uh, were commenting on. So that's what I would encourage our audience to be aware of. It may seem dire at the moment. It may seem impossible to bring some sort of resolution to the conflict we may be involved in. But we ha- have to trust God that ultimately his will will be done and it'll always be out of an act of love for us. That's what we have to trust Mm -hmm. in, Bill. Greg, we always uh,
0: seem to think that we know how things are supposed to turn out or how things are supposed to look like. And I think we take all of those thoughts and say, let's take him right to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you are in control completely. I think we do that pretty regularly as believers, but what a great reminder today.
2: Yeah, we have to recognize, Bill, that it says in Scripture, now we see dimly or darkly. When we're in his presence, we'll see clearly. I think there's going to be so many aha moments when we meet Jesus Christ and we finally realize, oh, that's what you were doing. (laughs) I didn't have a clue, Lord. As a matter of fact, I was mad about it at the time. But now I see the beauty of your plan. And I bend my knee to you as sovereign Lord. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What a happy moment that'll be. Yes, it will. Yeah. Greg, I appreciate you coming in and sharing this uh, many scripture passages on uh, the sovereignty of God. I I love the subject. I think it's uh, one we should be thinking about every day. And you've given us lots of great scripture verses to look at. And I think if we will dissect these, there's a whole lot to chew on here. And I appreciate uh, all the reminders and what the Bible says about the sovereignty of God, what the facts are, and how... Uh, We can
2: choose uh, to be obedient and follow his will. You know, I I have to remind myself regularly of this sovereignty we've just discussed, Bill, especially in the midst of the darkness. And so when you you are in darkness, folks, remember God's sovereignty in your life. And that sovereignty is always based on a foundation of love, unconditional Mm -hmm. regard for your well-being and welfare, even if we can't see the immediate result at the moment. I love that great uh, way to end.
0: Dr. Greg Borgon has been my guest. His uh, website is heartofawarrior.org, heartofawarrior.org. We'll take a little break. We've got hour two coming up. Uh, Hans von Spakovsky will be joining the show right at the top of the hour. Uh, Looking forward to a conversation with him. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support,